I hope you had a fantastic weekend. Now, it only saw one Toronto Blue Jay victory in there, and we're going to deep dive the good, the bad, and the ugly of what we saw this weekend today on the Lock on Blue Jay podcast. Plus, with Jose Bautista now firmly entrenched in the level of excellence, let's consider who could be next. You are Locked on Blue Jays, your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Craig Ballard, Locked On Blue Jays. First season for me hosting the Locked On Blue Jay podcast. It's been around for a while. You probably know the, the previous host. Uh, I mean, Ben Verland. I always I do this every time. I say Ben Verlander every time. Oh, my goodness. Ben Shulman. I'm a big Ben Verlander fan, but a big Ben Shulman fan as well. Of course, yes, indeed, the son of Dan Shulman. Ben Shulman doing some huge things these days with the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, shout out to Ben Shulman. So he was the previous host as the Locked On podcast. Locked On Blue Jay podcast has been around for a while. This is my first year. Uh, honored to be the host of this. Now, I've been locked on Toronto Blue Jay baseball my entire life. I will say that Toronto Blue Jay baseball, a big deal for me. It's a big deal for my family as well. So as always, I want to thank you for spending part of your day talking Toronto Blue Jay baseball with me. The Locked On Blue Jay podcast, of course, part of the Locked On podcast network, your team every day. I want to remind you, of course, this season, all the Toronto Blue Jay action available for you to catch on Sirius XM. Now, if you're taking in today's episode on the Locked On Blue Jay Podcast YouTube page, hello and thank you for that. Please hit that like, leave that comment, hit that subscribe, please, and thank you if you haven't already. I want to shout out some uh, some new subscribers that I've seen recently. Again, I, I really hope I'm getting your name right. I, I just really appreciate you hitting that subscribe, so I want to shout you out. So if I'm not getting the name right, just spell it phonetically for me in the comments, please, and thank you. So shout out to Bob Bearstow. Uh, Lord Baca, Adam Squires, Dan Thwartz, Joseph I, Kelly Smith, Viru Davis, and Sean, I think it's Sean, I'm going to say Ketchko, I hope it's Ketchko, Sean, but thank you guys, welcome, and thank you guys for hitting that subscribe as we come down the stretch of the 2023 season for your Toronto Blue Jays. And of course, to the everydayers making the Lockdown Blue Jay podcast your first podcast listen every day. Those numbers are growing, so I certainly thank you. I've been asking the everydayers, you know, quite a bit this season, please help the Locked on Blue Jay podcast grow, you know, a friend, a family member, I always joke, you know, your Uber driver, your butt, I mean, who, you, who, you see someone wearing a Blue Jay hat, who, you name it, you think you know a Toronto Blue Jay fan, put the Locked on Blue Jay podcast in their hand to help it grow, please, and thank you. Now, for the second Sunday in a row and fifth Sunday this season, the Toronto Blue Jays yesterday scored double-digit runs. And they salvaged the game in this weekend series versus the Chicago Cubs. Thank goodness, right? A, a sweep would have been, oh boy, massively detrimental. Losing two out of three wasn't good as is, but a sweep would have been extremely detrimental. Now, for our first segment today, let's jump into some of the good, the bad, and the ugly from what we saw this weekend. The good. How, how could we start anywhere other than the Jose Batista level of excellence ceremony? Uh, I do have a criticism for it coming in the bad. It's a personal criticism. We'll get to that in a second here. Yes. But uh, outside of that, I mean, everything just two thumbs way up. And I want to shout out ha uh, uh, Hazel May as well. I mean, everydayers will know there's been several times during this season on the Lockdown Blue Jay podcast where we've mentioned how lucky we are to have Dan Showman and how lucky we are to have Hazel May. Outstanding job she does. The, or her hosting the ceremony was no exception. Great to see Jose Bautista. Wonderful to see his family being involved. Uh, I was on the the Fan 590 talking Blue Jay baseball on Sunday morning with Roger Lajoie, uh, like yesterday morning, and that was something we that that struck both of us that that we we thought was really special. Both of us really it really touched us how Jose Bautista was able to have his family involved in this. And Bautista, you know, we heard 
Chris Bassett commenting earlier, we've heard players over the years comment that the families are the real MVPs. They're the ones taking care of everything day to day, all the behind the scene things that help the the players focus in on their duty, their their job at hand, right? performing and representing Toronto Blue Jay baseball. So absolutely great to see Jose Bautista's family there. Great to see so many of the former players as well. A lot of fun there. Also in the good category from this past weekend, Whit Merrifield, 6 for 15 this past weekend, including on Sunday. He was not two hit, not even three hit. He was four hit Whit on Sunday. I mean, there's stolen bases in there as well. Wow. It's even if George Springer were to catch fire, would would we ever see a day where Whit Merrifield wouldn't be the leadoff hitter for the Toronto Blue Jays? Now, I mean, I guess technically going forward, sure, because this is probably the end of Whit Merrifield with the Blue Jays, right? This season here, probably going to leave as a free agent at the end of the season. So Springer would be back in the leadoff spot. But I'm talking, I guess, for the 2023 Toronto Blue Jays, Whit Merrifield is staking claim to that leadoff spot. Brandon Belt, just two for eight on the weekend, but he did have a home run and three walks on Sunday. I mean, Brandon Belt doing his thing, running counts f- a full, getting getting at least three balls on him on, on a completely regular basis. I love the season that Brandon Belt is putting together for the Toronto Blue Jays. How about Davis Schneider? Davis Schneider the, just played the one game, but he had a good game, right? And he had really, really struggled since last weekend, since that incredible debut at Fenway Park. Uh, he had a, an 0-11 streak since then with uh, with seven strikeouts in there. I mean, it was really bad, but one for three over the weekend, and he had a walk in there as well. So just just the one game that he played, but it was his first time in front of the home crowd. So I'm happy for I'm happy for Davis Schneider. Speaking of happy for somebody, I thought Santiago Espinal did well this weekend. Three for eight at the plate was forced into emergency action on Sunday with the with the all of a sudden injury to Matt Chapman. Of course, you know that's going to show up in either the bad or the ugly category coming up. Oh, boy. But Espinal, I thought, did, did a really nice job this weekend. Kevin Biggio. You talk about somebody in the good category. Kevin Biggio, one for three with a walk on Friday, one for three with a walk on Saturday. So he's on base multiple times, Friday and Saturday. He's on base three times on Sunday. Two for four with the hit batsman on Sunday. Wow. Kevin Biggio. Last couple weeks, have we been impressed with the at-bats Kevin Biggio's put together? I, I don't see how you couldn't be. And, and I know Kevin Biggio's very polarizing, right? A lot, a lot of people, he's, he's similar to Nate Pearson. You, you love him or you hate him. Well, Kevin Biggio, even if you're hating him, you've certainly got to be pleased with what you've seen these last couple of weeks from Kevin Biggio. In the good category, Dalton Varsho, record scratch. That is not an error. You did hear that correctly. I literally think we had Dalton Varsho in a good category once before, but you know it's been few and far between. He's normally been in the bad or the downright ugly category for the 2023 Toronto Blue Jays at the plate, right? Defensively, he's he's been as advertised. He's been completely stellar, been completely useful and valuable defensively. Absolutely, yes. But at the plate, wow. Now, in his last 60 at-bats coming into Sunday, Dalton Varsho had one home run and five RBIs. Last 60 at-bats coming into Sunday, Varsho, one home run and five RBIs. Well, on Sunday alone, yesterday alone, Dalton Varsho, one home run and five RBIs. How great was it to see that? I love the swing on the home run, by the way, as well. Man, how massive would it be? You talk about a good, bad, and the ugly. It, you would need another category, like a massive, massively crucial, massively important category to to slot Dalton Varshow into. If you were to say, how huge would it be for Dalton Varshow to start coming through and getting that bat going for the Toronto Blue Jays as we're entering the stretch drive? 
I liked what we saw from Chris Bassett. I thought the hound on the mound, I mean, the first couple batters of the fourth inning were a nightmare. It was the be all and, you know, ended up being the be all and end all of his game. But uh, outside of that, I liked what I saw from Chris Bassett. So way more often than not in that Saturday start from the hound on the mound, I liked what I saw. I've got him in the good category. Hyunjin Ryu. Oh boy. Speaking of liking what you saw. Had so many people tell me, and again, I was talking about this with Robert, with uh, Roger Lejoie on the fan yesterday morning. So many people have been telling me that, you know, of course Manoa was sent down because Ryu's been so good. Well, I don't know where the Ryu's been so good has come from. I was at his first start against Baltimore. I liked what I saw from the curveball. That's the end of the list. I didn't like what I saw from Hyunjin Ryu in that first game against Baltimore. He was doing well in that second game, but then got hurt in that Cleveland game. And, and that's a very a lowly lineup as well. It was only four innings. So small sample size, lowly lineup. I wasn't super, super impressed. But that Baltimore team has a very good team approach, so they're tough offensively. I'm really liking what I'm seeing lately from this Chicago Cubs team and their approach as well. So Hyunjin Ryu going five innings against the Cubs and being successful. Cubs have done well against lefties this season as well. I loved what I saw from Hyunjin Ryu. And of course, the runs that he allowed, he allowed two runs in that first inning. That was from a Brandon Belt error. Those runs were unearned. So Hyunjin Ryu right now, would you believe he's at 12 and a third straight innings pitched without an earned run for the Toronto Blue Jays? Everydayers will know, I did not see this coming, that Hyunjin Ryu was actually going to play a role, play play an important role, be, an, be a legitimate contributor to the 2023 20, Toronto Blue Jays. Everydayers will tell you, I did not see that coming. Pleasantly surprised. Pleasantly surprised. Also in the good category, how about Bowden Francis? I thought Bowden Francis was fantastic on Friday. The, saved the bullpen a bunch of innings. What did he pitch? Uh, three and two-thirds innings. He gave up one walk. That was it. That was it. No runs, no hits, nothing. I, thought, I mean, shout out to Bowden Francis. I loved what I saw this weekend from Eric Swanson. I thought these were two of the better outings that Eric Swanson has had in a while. And I know Hicks isn't performing really right now. Cabrera is that there's there's more and more depth coming to this Blue Jay bullpen right now. So Swanson getting used, you know, a little bit more, not sparingly, but um, but not, not being overused. Let, let's put it that way. Not being overused as much as he was before. And I think he's really starting to, it's really starting to pay dividend, uh, dividends. I loved what I saw from Eric Swanson this weekend. And of course, the last thing I'll say under the good category, also loved what I saw from Yenesis Cabrera this weekend. Only pitched the one inning, but added another inning with no earned runs allowed. He's allowed, Yenesis Cabrera's allowed three runs as a Toronto Blue Jay. All three were unearned. I mean, this guy is in the good category. More deep diving the good, the bad, and the ugly from this past weekend. And reminder that the Blue Jays are off today, but all their action this season is available on SiriusXM. Now, I wanted to mention that buying tickets to your favorite sporting events shouldn't be stressful. Game time. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you're about to have. Everdayers will know I've used game time a few times this season. Haven't been to a Toronto Blue Jay game in years. Don't really like going to the games all that much, but I've used the game time app several times to get tickets this season. It's made going, you know, more enjoyable for me. I I love the renovations and everything. I wanted to see all that, of course. Yes, indeed. But the, the ease of use for the game time app, that's why I keep coming back to it. I mean, I really like you, you get the images of your seats before you buy. So I know what to expect before I arrive. And you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds. It's two taps and you're all set. And the tickets are sent right to your phone. So you're not digging through your email, which email address that I use. None of that fumbling going on that I would be horrible with, right? The fact that it's so easy to use is really, really big for me. That's why I keep using it. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets, on last minute tickets as well for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater. I mean, you name it. 
It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On MLB. That's going to get you twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Now again, create an account and redeem the code Locked On MLB for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Going to have to turn our attention to the bad category. Oh boy, there was you lose two out of three at home. There's going to be some in the bad category. Now, first of all, remember I talked about the Jose Bautista scheduling yeah right the, or the jose jose bautista ceremony and and of course big picture wise that's in the good category that's in the great category that's in the special category very yes very yes but in the bad category and maybe this is just a personal thing why on earth are you starting that ceremony at 3 p.m eastern for a 307 scheduled first pitch i mean my goodness my and the blue jays do this all the time that's part of why this was on my radar it's part of why i'm frustrated about this because the blue jays do this all the time now i wonder if we notice it because we're part of the blue jays fan base like i wonder if other teams are a nightmare with these sort of scheduling things as well i don't know but i definitely know that the toronto blue jays are a nightmare when it comes to these sort of scheduling things my goodness holy moly so that's going in the bad category also in the bad category from this weekend, that Friday game, that Apple podcast on our broadcast on Friday, I'm way in the minority in that I've enjoyed the Apple pod, or I keep saying podcast, I've enjoyed the Apple broadcasts this season. I know I'm in the massive minority on that, but my gosh, this Friday, I mean, these guys, they were praising the Blue Jays for having a good team hitting approach since when they, they talked about uh, how many uh, times they come up with big hits and they have a lot of good at bats with runners in scoring position since when and they talked about the fact that the blue jays you know they're willing to take their walks they, they won't chase they won't expand the strike zone they're willing to take that walk and pass the baton to the next batter since when one of the one of the major factors for the bald head coming through on your tv screen right now is how horrible how putrid how pathetic the 2023 toronto blue jays are in those six in those situations in those circumstances so Apple broadcast going in the bad books. Jose Barrios, for the first time in a long time, for the first time in a long time, we've got Jose Barrios in the bad category here. He didn't even make it out of the fifth inning. Six runs, four of them were earned, nine hits, nine hits through five innings for Jose Barrios. I mean, that's, we've seen this, you know, that, that struggle from him probably about four or five times this season, you know, about, you know, half as many as we saw, maybe a third as many as we saw from him last season, right? So, so we know the improvements have been there, but uh, this was one of those rare, in 2023, one of those rare bad games for Jose Barrios. Now, I'll say this. Also in the bad category, I did not like what I saw this weekend from Jordan Hicks. I did not like what I saw this weekend from Nate Pearson. Uh, Hicks, uh, Jordan Hicks, just three strikeouts so far as a Toronto Blue Jay against two walks with that stuff. Nowhere close to a strikeout per inning. Nowhere close to a strikeout per inning. And only one more strikeout than walks with that stuff. That was three for three in save opportunities, okay? I mean, we have to acknowledge that, yes. And and if you remember, every day as well, recall when, when we first made the Jordan Hicks trade and, and we had a segment on Locked on Blue Jays podcast about it, I mentioned that I, I love, I mean, what's not to love about his stuff? But be forewarned, Blue Jay fans, there are no three up, three down innings in there for Jordan Hicks. It's that, That's not the pitcher that he is. But what makes him so good is his stuff is so electric that it's tough to string together multiple hits against him to get that rally. Well, the Cubs... 
didn't really string together multiple hits against them in, in the Saturday loss. The Jordan Hicks lost that game on Saturday, giving up the two. But it was the fact that it was it was two uh, extra base hits, right? Two doubles that the and the White Sox w- would take. White Sox, sorry, Cubs would take that five four lead and win that game. So overall, boy oh boy, boy oh boy, I don't know where I am on Jordan Hicks just yet. Again, he's paid some dividends in that. Look at the innings he's taken. He's definitely helped an Eric Swanson reduce that workload, for example. So, but Jordan Hicks from this weekend in the bad category. Now we get to the ugly category. One of the ugliest things, and, and I think the the euphoria of of how magical the weekend was from Jose Bautista level of excellence, you know, memory road uh, um, standpoint. I the, I think that this took a major backseat. I think this would have been a much bigger story otherwise. But Hagen Danner, twenty four year old rookie, the catcher converted to be a, a high upside reliever, makes his major league debut has friends in the house, has family in the house, his girlfriend, his family all there to see it, and he lasts all of one batter. He must have been sick beyond belief when he had to call out the trainer after I believe it was seven pitches. He knew it was that bad that my major league debut is all gone up in smoke. I have to come out of this game. I've got an injury. And you hear Dan Showman talking about it on the broadcast as well. It it does not sound like it's uh, something insignificant. It doesn't sound like a quick heel for Hagen Danner. Just as I said, the the reason I think that that, that I'm thinking this isn't a a huge story, at, at least bigger bigger than it has been is because there was just so much euphoria surrounding this weekend from a Toronto Blue Jay, you know, a nostalgic standpoint, but Hagen Danner, I'm sick to my stomach for that young man, Danny Jansen. Now this isn't anything he did that, that landed him in the ugly category, of course, but Danny Jansen on Sunday for the fifth, sorry, for the fourth and the fifth time in seven games got hit by a pitch. Pardon me. In the last seven games, Danny Jansen has been hit by five pitches. What are we talking about here? That is stunning. Stunning. And if you saw the game on Sunday, that fourth and fifth, how how many times did it come close to being a six and a seven? Like, holy cow. He's going to be pitched inside. That's the book in him. That's how you're going to get Danny Jansen out. So we're going to see hit batsmen. We're going to see pitchers miss their spot, in particular in a pitch clock era where the pitchers, you know, so many times are making that pitch where they're not fully, completely set and ready to throw that pitch. So the hit batsmen for Danny Jansen are going to happen, but five in seven games? For me, I mean, that is eye-pop emoji. My goodness. I've got Matt Chapman in the ugly category. Matt Chapman just one for seven on the field and then off the field coming into Sunday's game. He gets his middle finger caught uh, between a rack of weights, has to come out. He, he can't play now on Sunday. We'll see how long that's going to be a problem. And Matt Chapman, I mean, he needs just 242 with three home runs since the All-Star break. Hmm. Hmm. Alejandro Kirk, one for eight over the weekend, firmly in the ugly category. On July 29th, so a couple of weeks back, Alejandro Kirk had his had three hits in that game. It was his third game since the All-Star break with at least three hits. Remember Alejandro Kirk coming out of the All-Star break was swinging it. Fine. We were all rejoicing. Oh, my gosh, look who's back. Alejandro Kirk, the hitting machine is back. Oh, my goodness, this could be huge for the Blue Jays in the second half of the season. Well, since that three-hit game on July 29th, seven for 36 since. In these last couple of weeks, one double and two RBIs. That's it. That's it. Wow. Wow. Alejandro Kirk in the ugly category. Paul DeYoung, my goodness. My goodness. Paul DeYoung in the ugly category. Gets a hit in his final at-bat on Sunday. Gave a very uh, half-hearted, you know, th- that, that new celebration the Jays have because I think he's just so frustrated with where he is at the plate right now. 
one for eight on the weekend. He's three for 39 as a Blue Jay. Three singles. Three cheesy little singles. That's it. In 39 at-bats as a Toronto Blue Jay. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. We know it's always going to be – I mean, defense is always going to be his calling card right now. I shouldn't say always because there was a time when Paul DeYoung was hitting, you know, 20, 30 home runs. But those days are definitely past us right now. Right now, it, it's going to be about the defense for Paul DeYoung. But still, my goodness, hey, Paul would, would still like to see some offensive production. Please and thank you. And then finally, in the ugly category, I've got Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Vladimir Guerrero Jr. just three for 13 this weekend. So already I don't like that. Three for 13, that's a 231 batting average. Already I'd say that's ugly. It's Now you're adding the fact it's Slim Daddy Vladdy. That's nowhere near his potential. Now I'd definitely say it's ugly. And you add in the fact, and this is really the main reason I've got this in the ugly category, not just in the bad category. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. goes three for 13 this weekend and loses just 0.01 points off of his season batting average. That's how bad it's been for Vlad this season. That's how massively below his potential he's hitting this season. He could go 3 for 13. He could hit 231 over the course of a week and played all three games, hit 231, and he loses 0.01. That's all he loses. Sorry, 0.001, sorry, 0.001 is what he loses off of his batting average. Are you kidding? And Vlad hitting just 241 since the All-Star break. These things I'm describing right now are ugly. Now, since 2013, the Toronto Blue Jays have only added three people into the level of excellence. The, the third coming yesterday, or, or sorry, uh, two days ago, right? Saturday, Jose Bautista. And I see a lot of talk about, you know, who could be the next inductee into the level of excellence for the Toronto Blue Jays. So let's go through some of the names that, that I keep hearing coming up here. And I'm going to tell you who, who, who I'm really hoping for. So the first person I'm hearing left, right, and center is Tom Hankey. Tom Hankey. Can a case be made for Tom Hankey? Oh boy. How about the best ERA for any reliever in franchise history? You know, career-wise, best, best whip for relievers career-wise, best hits per nine innings in franchise history. 217 saves by far the most in franchise history. He struck out the most per nine innings. You, you know, that stat strikeouts per nine innings, best in franchise history. There have been four closers ever for the Toronto Blue Jays that have saved at least 100 games as a Toronto Blue Jay. Jordan Romano right now at 89. So he'll become the fifth, I would think, very likely anyway. I don't it, I don't think he's going to get 11 more saves this season, especially considering he's not even back from the injury yet. I know that soon, but I don't think he gets 11 more this season. So probably at some point next season, we'll see Jordan Romano in that century club. Billy Koch, my favorite Blue Jay closer ever, is in that century club. Now, Dwayne Ward is second all-time for Toronto Blue Jays in saves. He's at 121. Again, Tom Hankey's at 217. So Tom Hankey, almost 100 career saves more as a Toronto Blue Jay, more than the next Toronto Blue Jay. He twice saved a career-high 34 games. Now, that's part of, believe it or not, I think that's part of what goes maybe against Tom Hankey here. I mean, there, there have been numerous, there there have been uh, nine seasons, not, not from a, a Blue Jay closer, where they had more than 34 saves. And heck, I mean, even if uh, Romano can come back here, if Romano gets seven more saves this season, then that bumps Tom Hankey's best seasons as the Toronto Blue Jay to the 10th best as far as seasons, as far as saves goes for the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, in the playoffs, in 1985, as a rookie, Tom Hankey pitched in games one and two of the ALCS. Now, the Blue Jays won both of those games, but the Kansas City Royals in 85, they did hit Tom Hankey around in those first two games. Three runs on five hits with two walks. Now, 
He and, and part of that was he gave up a home run to a very light hitting Pat Sheridan. Now I'm bringing up the 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 playoff stuff here because when you I mean I, again we just saw there there's some legit things on Tom Hankey's resume there. What I'm saying, what I feel anyway, my opinion, why he's not in that level of excellence just yet is he did not have that signature moment in the playoffs. So there's a couple moments in the playoffs there where he actually got hit. Now, after that, and again, he's a rookie in 85. Now, after that, he would make 14 career, 14 more career appearances for the Toronto Blue Jays. He would have a one and no record. He would convert five of the six saves. And in those 15 and two thirds innings after those first two games, one run on five hits. Now, seven walks. That's a problem. That's way too many. 11 strikeouts. But even with all the base runners, even with all the traffic he allowed on the base paths, just allowed one run in the next 14 appearances that he made as, as a, a reliever for the Toronto Blue Jays. In 1992, Blue Jays win the World Series. Well, Hanky pitches in seven games for the Blue Jays in the 92 playoffs. Blue Jays won all seven of those games. Now, here's... I mean, what's not to like here, right, Craig? How is it not Tom Hankey, the next one going there? And Craig, how is Tom Hankey not even your pick? Because Tom Hankey is not my pick for the next person in the Blue Jay level of excellence. And again, that signature moment in the playoffs. In fact, look how close he came to having it. And, and could we say he, in fact, blew it? A lot of goodness, right? 14 appearances after those first two where he got hit, and you only allow one run. But what was the one run? But what was the one run? Game six, 1992 World Series. Blue Jays up three games to two. And in the bottom of the ninth inning, remember it's in Atlanta, game six, the bottom of the ninth inning, the Blue Jays are up two to one. Here comes Tom Hankey. Can he get the save? We know the Blue Jays won in the bottom of the 11th. It's it's Otis Nixon bunting to Mike Timlin. Timlin throws it to Joe Carter. It's an iconic moment in Blue Jay history for the first time in, in uh, uh, Major League Baseball history. The World Series flag flies north of the border. That was the call on the TV. That's all iconic. Tom Hankey missed his chance. Could we honestly say blew his chance to have his iconic moment and really cement himself in Blue Jay lore? Bottom of the ninth, he would give up a base. Hankey would give up a leadoff single that would be bunted over to second base. Then, following a walk to Lonnie Smith, Hankey would get Francisco Cabrera to line out to left field. So now we have two out. Blue Jays one out away from the World Series, first World Series in Blue Jay franchise history. Tom Hankey one out away from his signature moment. Hanky goes swing and a miss for strike one, and then a call strike two and a beautiful fastball on the inside corner two. Otis Nixon. I mean, Otis Nixon was destined to be the final out one way or the other in this game. Yeah, it was Otis Nixon. But then, as as it's 0-2, so Tom Hanky has the Blue Jays one strike away from their first World Series championship. Tom Hanky has himself one strike away from his signature Blue Jay moment, going to cement himself in Blue Jay lore, going to cement himself in Blue Jay history. Otis Nixon shoots the 0-2 pitch between short and third into left field for a base hit. The Blue Jay left fielder, Candy Maldonado, overthrows everybody at the plate. And the Blue Jays, so it's tied now at 2-all. And the Blue Jays are lucky to quickly uh, retrieve Maldonado's insanely bad throw. Went over everything all the way to the backstop there. The Blue Jays were lucky to retrieve that quickly to keep Lonnie Smith, the potential winning run, at third base in this now 2-2 game. I'll give Hanky credit. He does give he does get Ron Gant to fly out to Devo to end that inning, and then we go to extra innings. In the tenth inning, Hanky would be taken out one batter in for Jimmy Key, and then of course, as we say, there the Mike Timlin, the uh, the finale in the bottom of the eleventh. So Tom Hanky that close to his signature moment for the Blue Jays and for himself, it eluded him. It eluded him. 
Speaking of Jimmy Key, that's another name I hear left, right, and center. Well, Jimmy Key, 116 wins, 81 losses. I mean, pretty good. Pretty good for the Toronto Blue Jays. 342 ERA for the Toronto Blue Jays. And his 1.20 whip is the best for any Toronto Blue Jays starter ever. So right out the gate, Jimmy Key's making a case for this, right? Two-time All-Star. 1987, my goodness, 1987 was except for the years Roger Clemens had. I mean, 1987 was as good as a year's as, as uh, Roy Halladay too, I guess, had a few in there as well, of course. But 87 was an amazing season, certainly the best season for any lefty in Toronto Blue Jay franchise history. And that includes David Wells, who had uh, – Wells won 20 games for the Blue Jays one time. But 87, Jimmy Key, I mean, he led the league with a 2.76 ERA. He led the league in ERA+. plus. He led the league in whip. Uh, he had the few. He led the league with the fewest hits allowed per nine innings. He was second that season in Cy Young voting. And you know what? Just as a side note, really insane Cy Young voting that season was all Toronto Blue Jays. It was he finished second to Roger Clemens. Clemens was winning back-to-back Cy Youngs at that time to future Blue Jay Roger Clemens. Third in Cy Young voting was future Blue Jay Dave Stewart. Fourth in Cy Young voting in '87 was former Blue Jay Doral Alexander. Sixth in Cy Young voting in '87 was future Blue Jay Frank Viola. And ninth in Cy Young voting in '87 was future Blue Jay Jack Morris. So. Past and present Blue Jays littering the, the all over the, the Cy Young voting in 1987, and Jimmy Key right there, number two. As a rookie in uh, 1984, he was a reliever, but Jimmy Key really burst on the scene as a top-of-the-rotation, reliable starter in 1985, 14-6 and six with a 3.00 ERA, and he was an all-star. 1985, that's the first season the Toronto Blue Jays made the playoffs. So, I mean, Jimmy Key had himself some signature moments. Now, 1990 was the worst of his nine seasons with the Blue Jays, 13-7 and seven record, 4.25 ERA. So all his other seasons, he was, an, he was a starter for eight seasons with the Blue Jays. All of his other seasons, his ERA was in the twos or in the threes. His worst season as a Toronto Blue Jay was a 13-7 and seven record with a 4.25 ERA. I mean, this guy was good for the Blue Jays. This guy was good for the Jays. 1990. Now you talk about the signature moment. I really think all that goodness with the Blue Jays, but he left the Blue Jays in nine after 92. And in 93 and 94, he was a New York Yankee. He was an all-star both of those seasons combined to go 35 and 10, both of those seasons. It could have been even better by the way. 94 was a strike. So that 35 and 10 could have been even better in 93 and 94 for the Yankees. He finished 11th and sixth in MVP voting. First time he'd ever had MVP votes and he finished fourth and second in Cy Young voting. Think of the laundry list of accomplishments we just laid out for Jimmy Key as a Toronto Blue Jay. You're talking about the Toronto Blue Jay level of excellence. What if he was a Yankee? 93 and 94 were the best seasons he had, well, maybe other than 87. But what if he was a, what if he was a Blue Jay, beg your pardon? What if he was a Blue Jay during those two years where he was a Yankee? Gave all that goodness, gave those two all-star seasons, gave those 35 wins to the Yankees. If those had been attached to his Blue Jay stats, I think Jimmy Key... Honestly, I would say Jimmy Key would already be in the level of excellence. He's fourth all-time for wins. He's just 12 behind Jim Clancy for third, and he's 32 behind Roy Halladay for second all-time in wins. After he left the Blue Jays, Jimmy Key won 70 more games. So if he could have had a little bit more of a run with the Toronto Blue Jays, I would submit to you that he would already be in the level of excellence. Now, who am I advocating for as the next person honored in the Toronto Blue Jay level of excellence? Well, we are out of time today, so be sure to check back into the Lockdown Blue Jay podcast tomorrow for my take. Go Jays go, and we'll talk tomorrow.